0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.
1: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. I I don't
2: have to show you how to stinking vices.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Well, 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 a poop storm (laughs) that has been uh, stirred up as America decides, you know, our economy is different than it was 50 years ago, and liberals are losing their minds because we're we're introducing the idea of a merit-based system to enter the country. And if you want to make liberals' head explode, talk about li- uh, about merit-based stuff, <laughs> and their heads will explode. There, there is a there is an, uh, right now, um, who is this? I, I know I should know this guy. This is one of the, the Trump administration folks uh, talking about this policy now that we want to have a merit-based immigration system, a point system. And getting into a back and forth with a, somebody the New York Times, I'm going to try to get this file downloaded in the time it takes me to introduce the show, folks, and hopefully we'll be able to... um to get that on so you can hear it. It's fascinating to me uh, where the left wing uh, represented by the New York Times and where common sense pro-American first policies are. Glad you made it, everybody. The Chris El Show and I'm glad you've tuned in. And yes, America's government, it's breaking news. America's government is now putting American citizens first rather than the citizens of the world. <gasps> Shocker. 800, 888 uh, 933 888-900-3393. That's the... Uh, Phone number here to the Chris Salcedo Show, blaze.com. Make sure you find us on the channel section. Social media, if you want to get in touch on Twitter, at Chris Salcedo TX. On Facebook, the Chris Salcedo Show. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher for on demand listening, listening live. blaze.com slash radio. And the Blaze Radio smartphone app and the iHeartRadio app. Let me just, uh, because this is all happening kind of on the fly, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as this is going on mere moments before I got onto the, onto the air. And th- this this would have been in the flip around had we gone on the air ooh, two minutes early. But this was moments ago as, mem- and again, I should know this guy. What is his name? Miller? Uh, he is talking from the White House podium, taking questions from the press about this About this new policy.
4: Uh, Tell me why this is more important than infrastructure.
5: Well, your latter statement isn't true. I think the most recent study I would point to is the study from George Borjas that he just did about the Merrill boat lift. And he went back and re examined and opened up the old data and talked about how it actually did reduce wages for workers who were living there at the time. And Borjas has, of course, done enormous amounts of research on this, as has the. Uh, Peter Kersenow on the U.S. Civil Rights Commission, as has Steve Camarota at the Center for Immigration Studies, and so on and so forth. And, right, and the recent study said that as much as $300 billion a year may be lost as a result of our current immigration system in terms of folks drawing more public benefits than they're paying in.
3: So basically what he's saying is is the economy has changed in the last 50 years, and this idea of allowing Folks to come from all over the globe to plug into our entitlement system right away has got to stop. It must stop. Uh, I'm going to get back to this because this exchange with the New York Times reporter is fascinating. But let's get to the rest of the flip around. All of the cable channels are, are focused on this. Let me bring you in real time right now. The White House and we'll go to Fox. And this is what uh, they are talking about over there, which is, of course, the, this, this was rolled out today. The Rays Act. And it is a focus on, as you guys can guess, putting a merit-based system in for immigration. And here comes Fox. that Over the last seven years, there's been a negative flow of immigration across the southern border. And,
6: of course, unemployment is at perhaps a 10-year low right now. So will there be enough workers in the southwest states if this policy were to go into effect? Well,
5: yeah, so I think we're talking about different things, and I appreciate the question. Net migration overall has been at a record pace. The um, You're talking, I think, just about some questions about net migration illegally across the southern border. We're talking today about green card policy. Every year we issue a million more green cards.
3: This is Stephen Miller, by the way, White House policy advisor.
5: Every year And so the supply of foreign labor is at a record high. I think the foreign-born population right now is... 45 million, I think there's 25 million foreign workers in the United States.
3: And not to mention the H-1B visas, which allow companies like Disneyland to bring in foreign workers to replace their American-born workers, because the American-born workers need much more money to make ends meet.
5: Because there is ongoing litigation, and DOJ and DHS are reviewing that. But I will say that whatever we do is going to prioritize the interests of American citizens and workers.
6: Stephen, Zoe Daniel from Australian Broadcasting. You've talked about the Australian policy. Can you speak more specifically about what the administration likes and also how that extends into things like family sponsorship? You mentioned bringing in elderly relatives, for example, who might not be productive. Yet in Australia, adult children can sponsor their parents to immigrate. So which elements of the policy are you choosing that you might
5: like to at system, the Canadian system. We took things we liked. We added things that made sense for America and where we are as a country right now. One of the things I think is most compelling about the Australian system is the efforts to make sure that immigrants are financially self-sufficient and make sure they're able to pay for their own health care.
3: That is vitally important so that America's already bloated entitlement system isn't exploited by the world's impoverished Now, liberals would say it's America's responsibility to take care of every impoverished person uh, all over the world, the American taxpayer. But there's just not enough resources to go around here in the United States. So we've got to prioritize and insist that our own citizens uh, partake in that. And then, you know, even our own citizens, we have to scale back on the entitlements.
5: Amounts of money, putting our own workers on welfare. Doesn't it make sense economically to say, let's get our own workers, immigrant and U.S. born, off of welfare, into the labor market, earning a living wage, able to pay into taxes, instead of bringing in lower wage substitutes, while at the same time ensuring that the inventors, the innovators, and the scientists are able to come into our country and add to our economy and our GDP, but not as substitutes for Americans. NBC even, thank
0: you so much sure. can you respond to some of the critics within your own party who say what well, we really should be focused on is comprehensive immigration reform in order to really tackle the problem in a serious way and secondly what do you say to those who say this just
3: wait a minute let me answer this one uh the Congress can't even pro- uh, fulfill a promise with Obamacare what makes you think they're going to be able to do comprehensive immigration reform
5: sure they are able who are have pending
3: oh and by the way when you hear the word comprehensive run like hell it means America's getting screwed
5: Forward, point one, and point two is that beyond the immediate family members that are covered in the bill i.e., your minor children and your um, and your spouses, your other relatives can come in. They just have to come in through the point-based system. Uh, and then your other, your first part of your question,
0: question about comprehensive immigration reform. Some Republicans say we should be focused on comprehensive immigration reform instead of. Sliver uh, of the problem in order to really address the broader root problem of immigration. Well, Why not tackle it from
5: that? Let me ask you a hypothetical, and I mean it in all sincerity. If let's say that we had introduced a 2,000-page comprehensive immigration reform bill, would we be having this conversation today about green card policy? I suspect we wouldn't be. I think it's time that we forced the conversation onto this core issue. I know the president feels that it's enormously advantageous to have a conversation about this core aspect of immigration reform because it does receive so little discussion and yet it's so enormously important. Follow Let's go to you. Thank you, Steve. Thanks. You mentioned lawmakers
4: have a choice to make. President Trump going to make this again?
3: Yeah, I can't hear the question. So, you know, this is... Yeah, let me let me say a word or two about comprehensive immigration reform. There was a monstrosity, a so-called bipartisan uh, comprehensive immigration reform bill inside of the United States Senate. And the likes of John McCain and, and others had partaken in it. And what comprehensive means is that it's so bloated, so wordy, that no common American has a a snowball's chance in hell of understanding it. And that's the point. And it's loaded up with pork, and it's loaded up with carve-outs, and it's loaded up with with garbage that's designed to disadvantage the American citizen in favor of, uh, well, let's, let's just be quite frank, corporate interests. Who, because of government, have been forced to cut back on the only other arena they can afford to cut back on, which is labor. So comprehensive immigration reform is another way of saying immensely complicated, immensely huge, no prayer of understanding, Obamacare-like packages of law that are designed to be so convoluted and so uh, not understandable that the American people don't have a prayer of sorting through it. So let's put the kibosh on this whole idea of comprehensive immigration reform. And let's deal with immigration reform that the American people want. Not what the special interests want, not what Lindsey Graham wants, not what John McCain or Nancy Pelosi want, but what the American people want. And what the American people want is an immigration system that is fair to the American people, equitable to the American people doesn't undermine the American citizen's ability to get work. Doesn't undermine the American citizen's ability to uh, support their family and does not, does not replace the American worker with cheaper foreign born workers. Now, I, I love to hear those who say, well, you're not a free market guy. Oh, most certainly I am. If, if the Congress would pass legislation that would force every other nation to be just like America and to impose on American citizens, I'm sorry, on the citizens of their country, the same burdens that the Americans have, which is, of course, entitlements and all that kind of garbage. And if they, if they could introduce a bill that would level the playing field and make it so that American citizens were on par with foreign born citizens, obligations and financial, financial and otherwise, then maybe we could talk. But the pure fact of the matter is that the nations of the world are not on a level playing field and we ought not construct policy on the assumption that they are. That's a wrong assumption. Back in a minute, folks. Chris Salcedo show after a roaring start on this. What is it? Wednesday already? Chris Salcedo show here on The Blaze.
2: Keep up with The Chris Salcedo show on Facebook and on Twitter
7: at Chris Salcedo TX.
2: Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network.
0: Chris
5: Salcedo show oh this is too good hold really on a historical in another respect too which is if you look at the history of immigration it's actually ebbed and flowed we've had periods of very large waves followed by periods of less immigration and more immigration and during the we've had a period of immigration right now but wants to
3: hey look everybody it's Jim Acosta
5: he's getting his uh, he's getting his face time. I think that a wall affects green card policy. You couldn't possibly believe that, do you? Actually, the notion that you actually think immigration is at a historic law, the foreign-born population in the United President States with, today... With the Jim, Jim. On Monday, talk, talking about how border crossings do you work. Read? Hey, wait, who, wait, who was, elected Jim Acosta? CNN ...not know the difference between green card policy and illegal immigration. Sir, are, my, I mean, are you really my, my don't know that. Cuban immigrant. He came to this country in 1962, for, uh, right before the Cuban Missile Crisis, and obtained a green card. <laughs> yes,
2: people who immigrate Okay, to this so, country so Jim, eventually... People who so Jim, as a, country, question, through, Jim. Not Jim outside, as a factual question. Jim, past,
5: as a factual Jim, as a factual question, do obtain a green he,
3: boy, Jim Acosta does love some Jim Acosta, doesn't he?
5: And yes, they may learn English as a second language later on in life. So, but but this Jim, whole this whole notion of well, they could learn you know they have to learn English before they get to the United States. Are we just going to This
3: is to embarrassing.
5: Britain and Australia. Jim, as actually, I I have to honestly say, I am shocked at your statement that you think that only people from great britain and australia would know english is actually it reveals your cosmopolitan uh bias to a shocking degree that in your mind no this is an amazing this is an amazing this moment this is brilliant. this is an amazing moment that you think only people from great britain or australia would speak english is so insulting to millions of hard working immigrants who do speak english from all over the world have you honestly jim have you honestly never met a an immigrant from another country who speaks english outside of great britain and australia <laughs> is that your personal experience of course there are people who come but
3: that's jim acosta what a ultimate. putz this guy this is. Is. This is like
2: you're trying to
5: engineer the racial ah, what say. and ethnic <laughs> flow of people into this country yeah, that is one of the most outrageous insulting ignorant and foolish things you've ever said and for you that's still a really the, the notion that you think that this is a racist bill is so wrong and so insulting. Jim, the reality is is that the foreign-born population into our country has quadrupled since 1970. That's a fact. It's been mostly driven by green card policy. Now, this bill allows for immediate nuclear family members to come into the country, much as they would today, <laughs> And then it adds an additional point (laughs) space system. The people who have been hurt the most, the people who have been, the people who have been, the people people who have been hurt the most by the policy you're advocating are apparently just unfettered, uncontrolled migration. The people who have been hurt the most by by the
1: policy, the people who have been hurt the most by the policy that you're, the people who have been hurt the most by the policy you're advocating
5: are immigrant workers and minority workers and african-american workers and hispanic workers
6: are you targeting and the african-american community now you brought it up again you said you wanted to have a conversation and not target is it going to be a target this is what African- we want to community? do Using
4: the
3: african-american community are you going to target I'm not trying to be funny. But right, I know what you're
5: saying. What you're saying is 100% correct. Okay. We want to help unemployed African Americans in this country and unemployed workers of all backgrounds get jobs. And oh, that was some-
3: April. What's her name?
5: Trying to ascribe nefarious motives to a compassion immigration measure designed to help newcomers and current arrivals alike is wrong. And this is a positive, optimistic proposal that says, 10 years, 20 years, 30 uh, years from now, 10 years, 20 20 years, 30 years from now, we want to have an immigration system that takes care of the people who are coming here and the people who are already living here by having standards, by having a real clear requirement that you be able to support yourself financially, by making sure that employers can pay a living wage. That's the right policy for our country and it's the president's commitment to taking care of American workers. I apologize, Jim, if things got heated, but you did make some pretty rough insinuations so thank you, thank
3: you. <laughs> I you know Jim Acosta is such a putz he really is a putz and he really isn't a elite moron who again here we are televised press briefing and he just got into a back and forth taking the left wing position and had what you guys didn't hear was Jim Acosta, his, his original question was about the poem at the base of the Statue of Liberty. And what Mr. Miller pointed out to him was, Jim, you do realize that's not law, right? You, you understand that the laws are actually made in the Congress, not in a poem at the base of the Statue of Liberty, And then he asked, and and again, I I can't turn the audio around fast enough, folks, to get it out to you. And then he said, Jim, there have been times in American history where we've had a limit of a half a million people. There have been times when we've had uh, a limit of 700 uh, million people. There have been times when, when the numbers have fluctuated. Tell me, Jim Acosta, which number is the appropriate number to allow folks in? This elitist prig, P-R-I-G, Jim Acosta, an embarrassment to journalism as he once again inserted himself and made himself the story as if he's some sort of policymaker. A note to CNN, a note to CNN, nobody elected you. Nobody cares what your opinion is cnn and jim acosta was injecting his opinion all over the heck there in the white house briefing room and again to jim acosta nobody gives a damn what your opinion is you're supposed to be a news guy you might want to go back and learn what that means i could teach you come on the program
1: The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back.
0: The Blaze Radio Network.
1: Chris Salcedo is on the blaze radio network.
3: It wasn't as entertaining as little Jimmy Acosta showing his bias and showing, uh, what he prefers as far as illegal immigration. But, uh, an exchange that, uh, Mr. Miller had with a New York times reporter was equally, uh, equally entertaining.
5: But let also use common sense here. Folks at the end of the day, why do special interests want to bring in more low-skilled workers? And why historically... I'm not asking for common sense. I'm asking for specific... Well, I think it's very clear, Glenn, that you're not asking for common common sense. sense? But if I could just answer answer your question... (laughs)
3: Yes, it's very clear the New York Times isn't looking for common sense. He wants some sort of study, which, you know, you all know, you can buy a study to say anything you want it to say. He wants statistical data that shows that People coming in from other countries. Man, you should see the body language of these people in the press corps. So, so deflated to see their left wing agenda being shot
5: down. I named I named or not? I named start, I name name the, the studies, you, Glenn, me Glenn. Glenn, tell me Glenn, Glenn, I named the studies. You know, I named the studies.
1: I asked you for a statistic. Can you tell Glenn, me
5: how many the will we'll make a carve out in the bill yeah. that says the New York Times can hire all the low skilled, less paid workers they want from other countries and ah. see how you feel then about low wage substitution.
3: Yeah. Let's start. Let's let's start hiring uh, New York Times. Uh, writers from abroad, and kicking this Glenn guy (laughs) out of a job. Let's see how much he likes it then. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, liberal progressives are worldwide there, Glenn boy, the New York Times. (laughs) Left-wing biased hacks. I'll make a living all over the world. We can import them. They probably work for a lot less than you do.
5: This is a reality that's happening in our country. You know, maybe it's time we had compassion, Glenn, for American workers. President Trump has met with American workers who've been replaced by foreign workers.
7: And ask, ask, them,
5: ask them how this has affecting their lives.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think the New York Times does much asking about the average, everyday American and what they think about immigration.
5: Look at... I, you I just told you low skilled jobs that Americans might otherwise have. Why I, I mean if you so look first, evidence, first of all, if you, you look at the if you look at the premise, Glenn, of bringing in low skilled labor, it's based on the idea that there's a labor shortage for lower skilled jobs. Yep. There isn't. The number of people living in the United States in the working ages who aren't working today is at a record high.
3: That's a great point. And it's and it's what Jim Acosta, and the New York Times our reporter, Glenn. Uh, wouldn't admit that the current immigration policy is not about fulfilling an American economic need. It's about getting as many people from other countries, preferably left-wing countries with left-wing sensibilities, to get them in here so they can start voting Democrat as soon as humanly possible. That's the agenda. Get rid of all these people who, who bleed red, white, and blue. There is. I've got sound bites from Tucker Carlson's show, where some nut guy, some nutball out in California, says that that California is getting rid of its middle class so it can uh, so it can make room for illegals. <laughs> I kid you not. Uh, th- this is the agenda of the White House press corps. This is the agenda. Of the American left. Getting rid of uh, pro American folks and ushering in a whole bunch of uh, anti American folks.
5: One in four Americans, or almost one in four Americans between the ages of 25 and 54, aren't even employed. For African American workers, their labor force participation rate, who don't have a high school diploma, I guess African American males without a high school diploma, has plummeted some 40 percentage points since the mass wave of unskilled migration began. The reality is that if you just use common sense, and yes, I will use common sense, the reason why some companies want to bring in more unskilled labor is because they know that it drives down wages and reduces labor costs. Our question as a government is, to whom is our duty? Our duty is to U.S. citizens and U.S. workers to promote rising wages for them. If low-skilled immigration was an unalloyed good for the economy, then why have we been growing at 1.5% for the last 17 years at a time of unprecedented new low-wage arrivals? It's just the facts speak for themselves. At some point, we're accountable to reality. On the other hand, like I said, you have ultra-high-skilled workers who are at the back of the line, which makes no sense in the year 2017. Neil, let me go to you. You no. no. no,
3: no, just up the
6: African-American male
4: you now
3: targeting the black unemployment rate that is traditionally and historically higher than the average American. Is that what you're looking at? There's no
5: this? doubt at all. Go to Neil, but there's no doubt. And it's very, very sad and very unfair.
3: Yeah, that was, uh, I think that was April. What's her name again? Anyhow, uh, so this is what is breaking today. And you know what? I guess we're just lucky here on the Chris Salcedo show where all this stuff in particular at the White House press briefing. And and you know, Jim Acosta was raising his hand again. (laughs) He wanted to get called on again. Could be the Jim show, the Jim Acosta show there at the White House. Boy, he does love to hear himself talk. Doesn't he? Um... So, yeah, I might as well play these sound bites now since I already brought them up. Cal Exit, these are the secessionists out there in California, uh, goes on Tucker's show. And they talk about getting rid of the middle class to make room for them illegals.
7: You've so mismanaged your little country or state or whatever we're calling it now economically there's been a massive exodus of middle-class californians to neighboring states well i mean the numbers are, the numbers are there i mean you've lost hundreds of thousands of people making between and 200 thousand dollars over the past 10 years and they've enriched idaho and montana and even wyoming and washington state like if it's such a well-run place why are why is the middle class leaving
8: so, Tucker, you, you have to look at the bigger picture here. So, uh, fifth largest economy in the world. Now, if you have to repeat that, say it again. We are the fifth largest economy in the world. Yeah, that's a-
3: well, I don't... Uh, sixth... I think... Uh, now, he might be talking as of second quarter. But when you do a year-to-year analysis... I think California is sixth largest economy in the world. That that's the third time. I, no, no, but I mean, it's no.
7: basically the economy of Mexico. You've got a small number of rich people, the tech people, and you've got a ton of poor people, and the middle class is leaving. Like, that's a recipe for instability.
8: You're aware of that, right? The, in, in regards to middle class leaving, uh, that's actually a, a good thing. Um, we, we need we need these spots opened up for the new wave of of immigrants to come up.
3: So, yeah, new wave of immigrants. Now, you know that's when they say immigrants uh they mean illegals that's th- th- that's part of the liberal lexicon this is how they cloud the issue uh they just lump all- illegals legals uh all in the same bucket which of course there's a, a, a great difference between the two but this guy wasn't done
8: it's what we do we're exporting our middle class to the United States you guys should be thanking us for that not only that you know when our middle class does move out to Texas and to Colorado they're taking our values out to the United States and and to Texas so if you look at Texas in fact all the major cities that, that Californians are, are are going to they are turning blue and soon enough Texas will be a blue state <laughs> and, uh, Dude. all of your the red <laughs> states. soon enough know, uh, I don't know
7: I don't know <laughs> if this blue. is like a have never met you I've never heard of you I I don't know if this is like a parody segment, you are you know, you're punking me or you're really high and you're just telling the truth because high people do. But you just said you're happy to be exporting the middle class of your state. Now, I happen to think that your policymakers are happy that they're leaving. But the fact that you're admitting this on live TV, I, I, bottom line, are you being yeah, serious? Well,
8: it, I'm, I'm only admitting the truth. Our middle, the, there's a middle class of people that are leaving California and yeah. they're going to Oregon and Colorado right. and, and Texas. Yes, there is. Um, there, and you're happy about I that. don't know how. Well, I mean, if they want to move, I'm, there's nothing for me to stop them. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure they'll find out how boring it is and they'll come back. Oh, yes, yes.
3: Well, you see, the folks who leave California are those conservative-minded, those who uh, want to get a better uh, return on their labor, those who have grown tired of illegal alien felons being put above american citizens those who want to see the rule of law followed those who want to see their dollars go farther and not gobbled up by government and those tend to be independents or right-leaning folks leftists don't leave california leftists love it in california the very rich or the very poor only there's this word again common sense common sense folks are leaving california because they have, they have to go to a, a place where their, their dollar is stretched further and where freedom and liberty
7: reigns.
8: <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't think so. Know, I don't know, but if think they so. choose to live out there, they because can live it's out like,
7: there. Right, yeah. Okay. A, what an amazing interview. Thank you. So, and I sincerely thank you.
3: No, I, I, I agree. Thank you. This is how they think in places like California. We're going to drive out our middle class so we can replace them all with illegals. <laughs> I just, you can't make this stuff up. I'll be right back,
1: folks.
8: It's your Radio Republic. Be heard. 888 900
1: 3393. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze. <laughs> On the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs>
0: The Chris Salcedo Show. Donald Trump
3: also signed today the, uh, the sanctions against the countries of Russia, against the uh, country of China, and against the country of, uh, not China, North Korea. <laughs> All intents and purposes, China. Uh, North Korea and Iran. And the sanctions package, according to The Hill, was signed with a, a stern wagging of the finger by the president. Now, we kind of we kind of backed the Congress on this one only because when they put sanctions on Iran, they didn't put this clause in there. And Barack Obama came in and unilaterally lifted it for his buddies over there, the Ayatollah Khomeini, and uh, made sure they got billions in American taxpayer dollars and paved the way for them to get nukes. And he did that right when the sanctions were starting to bite and really harm Iran. Showing where his loyalties lied, of course. So the Congress at least learned their lesson and not giving the executive that type of flexibility. Although Donald Trump's saying, look, I need that flexibility to be a good negotiator, but they said no. So he signed it into law. Now this brings me to this exchange yesterday where the White House was being asked to weigh in on another anonymously sourced Washington Post story that Donald Trump actually dictated to Donald Trump Jr. his first press release about the Russian lawyer.
6: The statement that Don Jr. issued is true. There's no inaccuracy in the statement. The president weighed in as any father would based on the limited information that he had. Uh, This is all discussion, frankly, of no consequence. There was no follow-up. It was disclosed to the proper parties, which is how the New York Times found out about it to begin with. The Democrats want to continue to use this as a PR stunt and are doing everything they can to keep this story alive and in the papers every single day. The president, the American people, they voted America first, not Russia first. And that's the focus of our administration. John, can, can you
2: clarify the degree to which the president waited?
6: uh He didn't. He certainly didn't dictate. But, you know, he like I said, he weighed in, offered suggestion like any father would do.
3: So he uh, again, I, I don't think this is this is still much ado about nothing. Uh, gave suggestions. And what what they're trying to say is because there were three iterations of the press release, which, by the way, Every release was factually correct. It just didn 't include the the part in the first release that the that opposition research was being offered to the trump campaign that 's the only thing they didn 't include everything else was true. Uh, Sarah Huckabee then blasted the biased press, read them the riot act on their unfair reporting and this is she is quickly becoming one of my favorites. She did it in a measured tone, but she hit them. Right where it hurts, where they don't report. I
5: will follow up on that. Was he aware at the time... That uh, Don Jr. had had a meeting that was based on the pretext that he would be promised information that was negative about Hillary Clinton when he suggested that the statement only say that the meeting was
7: primarily about Russian adoption policy?
6: Like I said, the statement that was issued was true and there were no inaccuracies in the statement. I think what the bigger question is, everybody wants to try to make this some story about misleading. The only thing I see misleading is a year's worth of stories that have been fueling a false narrative about this Russia collusion. That's
3: right. We have been over a year now of FBI investigation, and there is no proof of any Russia collusion. Then they wanted to get obstruction of justice charges on on President Trump by firing a guy he had every ability to fire by the name of James Comey, who assured the president, as he testified before Congress, on three separate occasions, the president wasn't the target of any investigation. So how could he be obstructing justice if he wasn't the target? which is the allegation being made by Democrats. The reason why Comey was fired was to protect Trump from being found out that he was colluding with Russia. It's utter nonsense.
6: And based on a phony scandal based on anonymous sources. And I I think that is, if we're gonna talk about misleading, that's the only thing misleading I see in this entire process. You guys are focused uh, on a meeting that Don Jr. had no consequence uh, when the Democrats actually colluded with a foreign government like Ukraine. The Democrat-linked firm Fusion GPS actually took money from the the Russian government while it created the phony dossier that's been the basis for all of the Russia scandal fake news and if you want to talk further about a relationship with Ro- Russia look no further than the Clintons as we've said time and time again Bill Clinton was paid half a million dollars
3: now somebody in the background saying well Clinton's not president uh, as if the press was eager to report on this stuff when she was Secretary of State working for a Democratic extremist president Barack Obama
0: This is The Chris Salcedo Show.
1: Part of the next generation of talk radio.
0: This is the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of latin flair
2: watches I, I don't have to show
6: you any stinking brushes.
1: this is the chris salcedo show on the blaze radio network
6: you guys are focused Uh, on a meeting that Don Jr. had no consequence uh, when the Democrats actually colluded with a foreign government like Ukraine. The Democrat-linked firm Fusion GPS actually took money from the Russian government while it created the phony dossier that's been the basis for all of the Russia scandal fake news. And if you want to talk further about a relationship with Russia, look no further than the Clintons. As we've said time and time again, Bill Clinton was paid half a million dollars to give a speech to a Russian bank and was personally thanked by Putin for it. Hillary Clinton allowed one fifth of America's uranium to reserve to be sold to a Russian firm whose investors were Clinton Foundation donors and the Clinton campaign chairman's brother lobbied against sanctions on Russia's largest bank and failed to report it. If you guys wanna talk about having relations, which you seem obsessed with doing, look no further than there. If you wanna talk about somebody who's actually been tough on Russia, look at President Trump. He wants more fracking, more coal, more energy, a stronger military, a stronger defense, those things aren't good for Russia. I think the distinctions are very clear, and you guys want to create a narrative that just doesn't exist.
3: Uh, That's what we call being taken to the woodshed, ladies and gentlemen, the basket of bias press. It was pointed out to them, all of their duplicity, all of their double standards... And you heard that individual shouting in the background, and I kind of wrapped up last hour with this, and I wanted to expand on this. But Hillary Clinton isn't president! Much to the chagrin of many people in that room. But the assumption there is is that the press was just as eager to report on everything that Sarah Huckabee Sanders just said, expounded on as they are to go after rumors with Donald Trump and it's just not true. None of this stuff was bought, brought up by the basket of biased press during the time of Obama. During Hillary Clinton's time. They buried it. They didn't hit it wasn't drumbeat story after drumbeat story and, and you know what folks we've got documentation. We've got proof of those things. We've got bank records. Of those things. It, what's, what astonishes me. Is that there is a. There is proof. And there is documentation. Of all manner of. Awful things being done. During the era of Obama. And the press ignored it. But we have. Nothing but speculation. Uh, on, on the whole. Trump Russia deal. And it's fueled the news cycle for, the, for almost a year now. And we brought this point up yesterday. When we criticized Barack Obama, it was over policy that was harming Americans. Let's just say that, that whatever, the, the, what is the latest one they're on? Obstruction of justice. Obstruction of justice, which is, it'll never be proven because it can't be. It can't be proven in this case. Let's just say, but let's say for argument's sake, that obstruction of justice against Donald Trump is proven when he fired Comey. What? How does that benefit your life? It doesn't. It seems all the stuff that could benefit your life—the rising economy—that, by the way, we're talking to Maria Bartiromo tomorrow. Uh, from Fox News, uh, formerly known as the Money Honey, she will be on to talk about the much-ignored and much-improving economic situation in these United States. Why is it being ignored? Because that would help out Donald Trump. And the press doesn't do that. Now, it would be all the talk if this was happening during the era of Obama. And all the scandals would be pushed aside. But right now, it seems the press is focused on creating scandal with the express purpose of diminishing the efficacy and the ability of this president to get his agenda going and there's lots of help nearly exclusively democrats and yes even some republicans helping out in this endeavor so when sarah huckabee points out the, to the press look at all the stuff you're ignoring in pursuit of fabricating something that there is no proof. After a year and a half, there is no proof. Well, a year. Let's call it a year of FBI investigation. In less time than that, the press has really been earnestly uh, taking this narrative seriously after Hillary Clinton introduced it after she lost as some sort of explainer as to why she lost. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, the origin of the term fake news. Do not forget where it came from. It came from extremist left-wingers trying to explain that it was fake news on Facebook and social media that was responsible for putting Trump in the White House. That's where the term came from. Then Donald Trump masterfully took the term... And started applying it to CNN and to the New York Times and to the Washington Post. Now all of a sudden they don't want to use it anymore. Because he was successful at stapling it to their foreheads. And the reason why they take it so seriously is they know it has a ring of truth. More than a ring of truth. Uh, Fox News Channel's Catherine Herridge reporting a little over a week ago about the tide turning on Democrats, and the Russia hysteria. It seems no, nobody's interested anymore. And she's saying in her reporting, this may be what led up to the Democrats finally coming out and trying to repackage all of their socialism into this this so-called New Deal, which is basically old repackaged crap they normally try to shove down our throats. But let's do this report.
4: If we're going to get to the bottom of this, we need to investigate the whole story. It includes looking at serious allegations of foreign influence over the Clinton, Clinton campaign.
6: Reading from a prepared statement, the committee chairman highlighted a perceived double standard, citing then-Secretary of State Clinton and Sidney Blumenthal, her close confidant.
2: If the Justice Department thought Mr. Blumenthal's activities on behalf of foreign interests did not require registration, it should simply say so.
3: Uh, Sid Blumenthal, you guys remember that? The, the man that was so contemptible, so much of a weasel that not even Barack Obama wanted him around, his administration. So he forbade Hillary to have him on and to make him a part of her circle. She did it anyway. Remember, that's a lot of these emails that she tried to delete, that they found, had Sid Blumenthal on them, where she, she was sharing classified information with Sid Blumenthal, who didn't have a security clearance. He was, he was forbade from being in the Obama administration. Sid Blumenthal, real. Well, the reason why Obama d- disliked him was because he was the one that came up with the whole birth certificate angle. That was, that was hatched by, by Sid Blumenthal. And Team Obama never forgave Hillary or him for that.
6: And Grassley drew connections between the Russian lawyer who spearheaded the 2016 Trump Tower meeting with Manafort and Donald Trump Jr. and Fusion GPS, the U.S. opposition research firm behind the unverified anti-Trump dossier.
2: Knowing exactly who is acting on behalf of the Russian government is vital.
6: And the testimony of a key witness and critic of Russian corruption has been put off until tomorrow. And based on his prepared remarks, Bill Browder will connect the dots between Fusion GPS, the Russian lawyer at the 2016 Trump Tower meeting and smear campaigns by Moscow.
3: Wow. So what she basically what she's getting at is that if you want to find Russia collusion and this this goes right into what Sarah Huckabee was talking about, you want, you really want to talk about Russia collusion. Let's talk about Fusion GPS the Russian lawyer that, who the Democrats are saying was a puppet of Vladimir Putin, who was she was associated and affiliated with Fusion GPS. Who is responsible for Fusion GPS? The Democrats. They have a working relationship with Fusion GPS. It was that shady organization that came up with the, the discredited and fake Trump dossier. Democrats have their fingerprints all over it. So finally, the Republicans are waking up and saying, wait a minute, why are we on defense here? Let's start investigating the Russia ties that Democrats have. You know what? This reminds me. I had a rant. This must have been at the beginning of the, of the Trump administration. I'll, in the break, I'll look it up. I'll see if I can find it. But basically, I said this, Democrats, you want to go down this road? Let's go. Because I know that the Democrat Party has been colluding with America's enemies for a long time, Soviet Union and the Russians included. You really want to expose this? I'm all for it. Because I know it's going to expose you. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show, right here on The Blaze.
1: Dismantling liberal ideology, one issue at a time.
0: This is The Chris Salcedo Show, The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Yeah, this must have been,
3: folks. This must have been, oh, just after after this whole Russia, 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 Russia thing started, and this was a, this this is what I was saying that the, the Republicans should have done. Well, what are we in? Eighth month, eight months ago. Let's um, let's go down a, a trip down memory lane, shall we? Resident Obama in a off. Well, it was supposed to be an off mic conversation, ended up being a hot mic conversation, promised Dmitry Medvedev, if he would convey this message to incoming President Vladimir Putin, that he would have more flexibility once he was reelected. Now, the inquisitive press, well, they're inquisitive now. They weren't inquisitive back then. They let this go. But Barack Obama has never explained what exactly did you do as President of the United States to show your flexibility to Russia? Because just a few short months later, Barack Obama, Russia invaded our ally, Ukraine. and illegally seized land from Ukraine. Was this part of a deal that Barack Obama brokered with Vladimir Putin? The, the, the so-called flexibility. We need to investigate it. When this incident happened and in the months before the invasion of Crimea, which Democrats were in contact with the Russian government? We need to know. We need to know their names right now. They need to be investigated. We violated a treaty with the the Ukrainians. We didn't come to their aid when Russia invaded. Which Democrats were responsible for making sure that we didn't do this? Of course, the Obama administration. But who was in contact with Russia and the Democrats, the, the party in charge? Who? What were their names? We need to investigate this right now when Barack Obama sent billions of your taxpayer dollars over to the number one state sponsor of terror, a client state of the Russians. I'm talking about Iran. How many Democrats were in contact with their Russian counterparts? How many Democrats were in contact with the Russian ambassador? How many Democrats were in contact with officials over in Russia? We know John Kerry was. We know John Kerry was having intimate meetings with the Russians on an Iran nuke deal. How much of the ransom money was negotiated by John Kerry, a Democrat, the former Secretary of State? We need to know. I'm all, let's, you know what, Democrats? Let's go. Claire McCaskill, we know, jumped on Twitter yesterday and lied her butt off. I've never been in contact with the Russians all 10 years on my committee. Which her tweets say otherwise. What are the Democrats hiding? For eight years, when the Democrats ran the White House and the majority of Congress, for eight years, America retreated and allowed Vladimir Putin to run rampant as a criminal all over this planet. What deals were being brokered by Democrats? We need to know. We need to subpoena Barack Obama and get him before a committee. We need to subpoena every Democrat who has had contact with the Russians. You know why? Because the Democrats have set up this predicate. The Democrats have criminalized contact with the Russians. I agree. And they need to be held to the same standard that they are applying to the Trump administration. And we need to do it now. My advice to Donald Trump and his administration, let's go. Now, they didn't take my advice. And I think the Trump administration's uh, regretting it now. After they've just, kind of like Bush did, sat back and just took it and took it and took it and took it. Uh, Probably there were some Republicans, maybe those who were advising from the RNC, oh, this will blow over. Oh, this will blow over. Oh, no, this is going to blow over. No, they should have been on offense from the very beginning, in, in my humble opinion. Uh, 888-933-9393, 888-900-3393. Coming up, we'll talk about, uh, there's a law out there, folks, that's being proposed to deregulate silencers for guns. We'll talk about it with our buddies from U.S. Law Shield. Meantime, to White Plains, New York, we go. Hey, Rich, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. What's going on?
2: Hey, Chris, how we doing? Oh, all right, I suppose. Chris, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you a little bit here. I'm going to tell you something that you may not particularly want to hear, but even though the Democrats are, are milking the Russia-Trump connection for every ounce of negativity po- possible, that's, that's not what sunk the most important issue on Trump's agenda, and that would be repealing Obamacare. And in my opinion... Trump's uh, ambiguity and lack of leadership, his inability to use the largest bully pulpit uh, to take a conservative position of repeal only and selling it is why the government, completely controlled by Republicans, couldn't do what they've been promising for seven years.
3: All right. Well, I, I think that there is some truth. I'm going to meet you halfway. There is some truth to <laughs> But uh, let me also remind you, as uh, if you go to the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page, you'll see a picture of Tennessee's Lamar Alexander, ladies and gentlemen. As the Washington Post reported today, this <clears throat> Republican, Senator Alexander, has pledged to work with Democrats, the same people who put us in this pickle, to save Obamacare. He wants to save Obamacare. And he's urging President Trump to continue Barack Obama's illegal payments to the traitorous insurance companies. So uh, lest we be tempted to to heap this all on Donald Trump's plate, we also have uh, uh, individuals that that deign to call themselves Republicans who are behaving as as leftists, like uh, Senator Lamar Alexander.
2: Chris, if I could respond to that sure. uh, with, with a saying, uh, the horses left the barn. Um, you know, Trump has already revealed, you know, his, what, non-position on health care. So it's, it's too late. I mean, some things can't be undone. He needed to do this from the beginning, okay? And And that might have whipped McConnell and Ryan right in line, and we would have gotten a repeal through right away. Now... His, you know, his ambivalent, you know, nature on the issue, is already known. So it's it's already too late. Well, I don't know
3: that it's ambivalence. I just believe he's, what he is doing is he's running the White House as if it were a business. He he lays out the big picture, and then he delegates to the Senate and to the House because they've got to write the damn bill, right? Um, And And then you 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 talk to other people talking about tax reform, you delegate to them and you delegate so he's delegating the the administration's priorities and like a good business owner he expects it to get done.
2: Right? That's not that's not leadership, man. He's not that that, that is that is that is
3: a particular brand that well, that is a particular brand of leadership that says that says you you have people who are supposed to be your support staff and you delegate to them the authority, you have the vision, it is up to them to to, to do their job and do their work. But it doesn't work that way in government because you have a whole bunch of people inside of that Congress. And you know this too, Rich, because we've talked about this before, that you've got a bunch of individuals in that Congress who are not leaders themselves. And they need to be driven and poked and prodded and and berated and beat over the head. They're not leaders themselves. So they, can't, they don't have a good work ethic either. So they just, they won't go to work themselves unless there's an absolute catastrophe Facing the country, and maybe not even then. 888 900 3393.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: So the feds are looking to ease restrictions on, on silencers and guns. Now, uh, there are some states like Illinois that completely ban silencers altogether. Now You guys know me, I'm a, I'm a pro-Second Amendment guy. But when I heard about this effort, well, my first thought was, uh, th- this is what's important right now. Number one, but then number two is like, well, what's what's the wisdom in this? I'm, I'm as I said, pro Second Amendment, and I believe that we have nothing to be ashamed of by carrying our guns or when we legitimately discharge our weapons. Uh, for, for those types of purposes, uh, of self-defense or what have you. Uh, for legitimate and legal purposes, so uh, I started to question, you know, well, why why are we trying to ease the restrictions on silencers why do not, not that i want to say why do we need them but what why, why is this a priority right now and i am a gun owner and i am proficient in firing certain weapons but i am not a so-called gun expert that's where we go to edwin walker he's a native texan Earned his bachelor's in law degree at the University of Houston. He's a licensed attorney for 24 years. Partnered with Walker and Byington Program Attorneys for U.S. Law Shield and Texas Law Shield, a legal services company devoted to firearms law. Law practice concentrates on firearms self-defense issues across the state of Texas and across our great land. Edwin, welcome back to the Chris Sato Show.
4: Now, hey, Chris. It's always great to talk to you.
3: So, again, hearing the story, I said, well, come on, I, I mean, Walk me off the ledge here. Tell me I don't have any need to be concerned about deregulating silencers.
4: Okay, all right, sure. Uh, I just want to clarify, you know, one of these misconceptions out there is that the primary consumer of silencers are your international assassins and mafia hitmen. Um, (laughs) Those are not the primary consumers of silencers. Uh, The primary consumers of silencers are basically... Uh, hunters and people who really, really like to shoot. And that's why the name of the law, as it's been proposed in Congress, is called the Hearing Protection Act, because basically a silencer, a lot of people say that it's just simply a muffler for your gun, and that's what it does. Um, I'm sure that most of the the folks out there, in fact, I would say 95% of Americans have no idea what a firearm sounds like shot through a silencer, and that's the common name, uh, the preferable name, though, is suppressor because that's what it does. It doesn't—it doesn't silence the noise. It just simply suppresses it. And what it does is, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like in the movies. It doesn't make the real quiet pew pew sound. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't sound like that at all. Uh, it just simply—it still sounds like a gunshot. It just the suppressor just takes that uh, takes that ear piercing crack away from it. Um, because it's, it's, it's commonly understood that the decibel level that will damage hearing is about 140 decibels, about 140 dB. And all gunshots, if they're not suppressed, are over 140 dB. So what a suppressor does is it takes that, that high range, that, that ear-piercing decibel level, and brings it down from you know, 150, 160, 170. And brings it down into say the one fifteen to one thirty range.
3: Now, when I head out to the gun range, I always have my ear protection on. So, if I've got ear protection and I'm firing my weapon, either either hunting, uh, you know, if it's in a life saving situation, then you know one shot is not going to permanently damage my hearing. Uh, A lot of folks who are saying this is a bad idea say, you know, come on, there's ear protection that's used for recreational use of of firearms as it stands today uh why do we need to to uh, stop restricting silencers because some will say that it's it 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 prevents the uh police's ability to triangle triangulate uh sounds of gunshots when they're used for nefarious purposes
4: well i i I don't think that there's any data out there that would support that because suppressors are not used in crimes you know they're currently you know they're, they're they're, they're, and I don't want to feed into the opposition's argument, but they are currently regulated. Uh, there's no evidence that they are used in crimes to any great degree. Uh, and like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't eliminate the sound. It just simply takes the high crack off of it. And you're right. Ear, you know, ear protection is available. And I'm sure that there are many, many firearms uh, users, firearms enthusiasts, that will continue to use ear protection. Um, you know, in fact ear protection is always recommended even sometimes when you use a suppressor, ear protection is recommended. But these you know the, 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 the person that's going to go spend 500, 600 700 sometimes a thousand dollars on a suppressor is going to be the type of person who uses it quite a bit. Um, you know hunters and people who are more into competitive shooting or skeet shooting. Um, they use you know ear protection now, but, a lot of times it's cumbersome, it's hot. You know, certainly shooting out in the Texas heat with ear protection adds an unnecessary level of, you know, heat to your head. Right. Uh, and also, with regard to hunting, it's particularly important because whenever you're not firing the gun, you want to be able to hear the things around you. you know, hear perhaps if there's other hunters in the area, hear if there's, you know, if you can hear deer walking through the woods. And so your, your sensory perception of hearing is very important, up until the point that you shoot the rifle. So in the absence of a suppressor, you have to, you know, you can take off your ear protection, listen for, you know, whatever you're listening to, to track game or what have you. Then as soon as you see one, you know, you have to reapply the hearing protection and then fire the weapon, and that may cause you to miss a shot. And so right. well, this has primarily been put out there as a, as a uh, hearing protection. You know, it's a safety provision, as well as uh, being a provision that benefits hunters.
3: Edwin Walker is our guest right now, folks, with uh, U.S. law shield and Texas law shield. So, uh, the the playing devil's advocate here, there you cited a statistic that there's no evidence that silences are used in crimes, uh, and and the the pro regulation folks would say that's because it's regulated and people don't have access to them right now. What would you say to that?
4: Correct. Well, that's what they yeah I, that's what they would say. Um, however. I can silencers are bulky. Um, like I said, most people only have experience with seeing or hearing silencers and what they've seen in the movies. Uh, silencers are generally bulky. Uh, they, you know, you have to be, you really kind of have to develop an experience with shooting at them because they do uh, alter your aiming perspectives. Uh, you have to learn to keep the barrel up, things like that. It's just, it's, they're not concealable, Um, and most criminals, the, one of the reasons that they favor handguns is because they're fully concealable. Right. You, you would be very, very hard-pressed to try to conceal a handgun with a suppressor. And the the fact of the matter is is that your handgun itself has to be equipped to accept a suppressor. And so it's really... It, it is kind of a... It, we're, it would be... So you're, a thinking, you're thinking the cost...
3: Yeah, the cost and the practicality of this will regulate it on its own, but if folks want to use it for hunting purposes... Uh, they should be allowed to do it without all the cumbersome restrictions that are in place right now.
4: Correct. And right. I, I, I find it pretty far-fetched to think that somebody would hold up a liquor store with a handgun that was suppressed. Number one, like I said, it's, it makes it unconcealable. Number two, it's more expensive to obtain such a weapon. Uh, and number three, uh, there's, no, there's no practical purpose of it. Uh, you know you can still hear a gunshot. it just takes the crack away so uh so it is really kind of hard to believe that a that your street level criminal will ever use any kind of suppressor or silencer yep. um and like i said the the mafia assassins out there they 're just <laughs> i don 't believe that there is a a a large uh class of people who engage in that occupation. I gotcha. Uh, You know
3: what? And to be honest, they're not following the law anyway, and they probably already have access to that kind of stuff anyway. Edwin Walker, everybody. Correct. He is with uh, U.S. Law Shield and Texas Law Shield. Appreciate the uh, expertise as always here on the Salcedo Show.
4: Sure. No, it's always my pleasure to speak to you, Chris.
3: Put a wrap on the show coming up next, folks, right here on The Blaze.
1: Reminding America that limited constitutional government is cool.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show
1: on The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Latino conservative, Chris Salcedo, on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Uh, We have an update on the Buttercups, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, The story comes out of Texas, Southern Methodist University. Now, since 9-11, the students there have placed, in the middle of the campus, an American flag on the green lawn in the center of the campus. And each one is to commemorate one of the lives lost in the terrorist attacks. The administration, we're told, responding to a complaint or complaints from a buttercup. uh, They said that they are going to move the display so that no students would be triggered by the by the presence of all of these American flags. Now they have since taken out the language about triggering because we all know that's left-wing code for uh, political views I disagree with. In this case, America. And disrespect for the flag because, you know what, who was it? It was, Guys, you have to help me with this, this name of that. Uh, that songstress, that singer that uh, banned the American flag from from her concerts because Donald Trump was president. Lana is it Lana Del Rey? Is that her name? Anyway, so and we had to remind the the young, ill informed person, Lana Del Rey, that that, uh, that the president is not America. The president serves America. America is we, the people. Anyway. So the Buttercups down at SMU Southern Methodist University and, and, and this is, this is two tiered. You had the complaining Buttercups but then you had the liberal progressives most likely from the baby boom generation who gave into this crap. Who said, okay, don't want you to be, don't want you to be upset and they caved in. They moved the display so that some folks who might be triggered uh, wouldn't have to see it. So, of course, we, are, we always want to remind all the, all the buttercups out there, what some of you guys calls, who you call snowflakes of uh, a business we're trying to get off the ground. Want to get away? Have those post-election blues got you down? Announcing a service just for you. Conservatives United presents the buttercup progressive relocation service we specialize in facilitating liberals exodus out of the united states so they can make good on their promise to leave in the wake of a trump election win we will send you to exotic destinations countries that match your ideological persuasion we have packages to venezuela cuba china and saudi arabia and if you act now you can get our relocation special to the people's republic of iran and there's great news because of obama's nuke deal we can offer you a 50% discount. You see, your tax dollars have already been paid to the number one state sponsor of terror. Operators are standing by. Call 1 800 I Love Mao. That's 1 800 I Love Mao. Our former IRS operators are waiting to take your call. The Buttercup Progressive Relocation Service. Try it now. No, really, try it now. Very happy to provide the service but oddly enough all those libs who were claiming they were going to leave the United States they I thought we were going to make a mint I gotta be honest with you I thought that all the progressives would be piling out of this country heading to all those other nations where their kind thrive and (laughs) anyway but that's uh that's some love headed your way uh, uh, for for the buttercups out there on the college campuses all over this land if it's Happening at Texas At SMU It's similar stuff probably happening In your neck of the woods Did you guys know What it takes to be Deputy National Security Advisor Deputy National Security Advisor What do you think your degree Ought to be in History maybe Uh Uh World cultural studies. Uh, think about it for a second. What would your degree be in if you were going to be the, the deputy national security advisor? Well, in the era of Obama, all it took was a degree in creative writing <laughs> for Ben Rhodes to be the the deputy national security advisor. And the reason why he was brought in is he could he could write good BS. He knew how to create narratives and and, and write creative stories. Thus, he was the deputy national security advisor. It shows you how seriously the previous administration took national security, (laughs) which is not very. Anyway, this cat, the creative writer, is now the new target of Republicans investigating illegal unmasking of Trump administration officials. Circa is writing this. Our buddy Sarah Carter, former Obama White House National Security Advisor Ben Rhodes, is now emerging as a person of interest in the House Intelligence Committee's unmasking investigation. According to a letter sent Tuesday by the committee to the National Security Agency, the NSA, this adds Rhodes to a growing list of Obamaites and government officials who may have improperly, and I'll add the word illegally, unmasked Americans. In communications intercepted overseas by NSA. And of course, their data should have been protected because they're Americans, but in the era of Obama, <laughs> Americans were the last consideration. Remember, everybody, a society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by an out of control government, rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a grand day. Back tomorrow, right here on The Blaze. See you then.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.